WRKS Pickens Jackson. It's all coming back from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. And there it comes again. Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. What is that? What is that? The Zone. And good morning. Welcome into the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. And we're brought to you by the Bourbon, Steaks, and Bacon at uh, Kessler Prime in the Renaissance. Visit KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. That's KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. And this is 105.9 The Zone ESPN. I've got Jason with me. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. I'm somewhere in Sandestin doing the show. There's nobody at the Sandestin Hilton, which is really nice. Um, we had to make a quick trip to get something done down here and decide to make uh, a day out of it or so. And, you know, you get older, and June and July at the beach is just a racket. And I didn't make it this year, and Jason was making fun of me. I think he was worried about me. You know, he's like, man, you, you haven't been to the beach. And um, I had not. But it's nice to come down here when it's about 50 to 60% less people than it is. Maybe even more than that. Maybe 60 70% less. But anyway, Sandestin Hilton parking lot is uh, – uh, almost empty. And so it was nice to be able to move around there yesterday and, and hopefully today. Hope you're doing well. Want to say good morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. The uh, Michelob Ultra caller line is 601-995-1059. Twitter handle at Bowbounds. Twitter handle at Bowbounds. And your Ag Up Equipment John Tractor text line is 601-885-3776. And I went by Ag Up Equipment in Mendenhall, Ag Up Equipment in McGee, and Ag Up Equipment in Hattiesburg on the way down here. So how many how many have I hit in the last? I've driven by Ag Up Equipment in Hattiesburg, McGee, Mendenhall, Pearl, and Canton. All in the last week or so. That's pretty good. Agup.com. John Deere America's Tractor will help you manage your land, hunting camp, and farm. You know it and I know it. Powered by Agup.com. Jason was trying to sell to me. How about this? Jason was trying to sell to me, and Jason's new in the business. Um, it was kind of like when Jackson thought every player was great, right? You know, and we had to kind of we had to break his spirit. Um, you know, every, everybody was, but he's great, man. He's a star. No. And we had fun with that. Right. Cause one Jackson was very, very talented and, um, you know, did a great job as, as a producer on the show and, and, and also talking, you know, having fun on the show, but Jason's trying to go over the, uh, the top 100 NFL players list made by players. I mean, is there a more worthless comical list than that list? Come on. I mean, they, I mean play, they know. No, they don't. It's <laughs> awful. It's a joke. 
uh, every year. It's funny. It, it goes to show you how here's the here's the dirty little secret. Players don't know. Players don't know. And 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 here's former players don't know who your coach needs to be. So anyway, um, it's just it's just part of the the deal. And and smart does not win the day when it comes to the NFL. What, what is it? It's released on the NFL Network and NFL.com. And it the is. NFL players vote on the top 100 players. Now, tell me what you were telling me about Chris Jones. I was trying to find another parking spot because the sprinklers started going off on me. And they were hitting my car. And I wasn't going to be able to get out of my car unless I got wet. Um. And I didn't want to do that, so I kind of had to maneuver around just a minute ago. What were you telling me about Chris Jones from the Chiefs? So, yeah, so Chris Jones was asked uh, where he thinks he's he falls on the list this year, and you know he says I gotta be top five, um, and <laughs> and <laughs> and he gets he gets disappointed, but it's funny the way that he that he responds when he's not given a straight answer on if he's top five or not. Um, so we do. Oh. We do have some audio that I'll play for you. Um, and you can just picture him as you've met Chris Jones multiple times, I'm guessing. Okay. What do you think you are this year? Top five, I should be. I'm sworn to secrecy, but you're definitely in the top ten. Am I in the top five? I'm sworn to secrecy, but you're definitely in the top ten. Let me know if I'm in the top five. I will hit a chair over my head right now and knock myself out. You're definitely in the top ten. Oh, I'm not in top five. God. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is funny. Okay, so Chris Jones, let's think about that for a second. Is he a top five player in the NFL? Uh, probably not. I mean, he does play a premium position. Do you have the list in front of you, Jason? I have. Yeah, I've got the top ten right here. Um, I've got the top ten. Chris Jones is number ten, uh, and so he okay. he jumped twenty nine spots from last year. I don't know if I could put. I, the problem is, I, you know, my outside of Micah and a couple other guys on the edge maybe I would think all 10 need to be quarterbacks mm. um, if you don't have a quarterback none of the other stuff matters it, it it doesn't matter if you have Chris Jones or Micah Parsons or you know whoever um, so Mahomes is one Who who's number two number two is Justin Jefferson got 1800 yards last season um there's an there's an argument that could be made for that no okay go ahead who's three uh you're gonna dislike this uh Jalen Hurts is number three that's comp that's laughable all right <laughs> so this is where this thing has no credibility uh Jalen okay go ahead uh so Nick Bosa is number four Bosa's an amazing player uh he's a disruptor he plays a premium position can he win you a game or tilt the field? Yes. Um, can he disrupt the Q, you know the most important position on the field? Yes. Can he change the game by knocking the QB out and or making his life hell on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night? No question. Uh, he is a, an 
insanely talented player. I still think that's too high. Go ahead. Wow. So, and then next is Travis Kelsey, obviously the best tight end in the league. Um, he is. But there are four quarterbacks in the top ten. Um, Joe Burrow is next at number six. Hold on. So, so, so right now we got Mahomes, Hurts at three, Burrow at six. Is that right? That's right. Uh, and okay. Tyreek Hill at number seven, and then after Tyreek, it is Josh oh. Allen at number eight. Okay. All right, Allen and Burrow are both in the top five, obviously. Go ahead. Who's nine? Uh, nine is Micah Parsons, and ten is Chris Jones. Oh, man. God bless current players. Um, <laughs> ranking. Uh, that's just what our listeners think. I mean, are you laughing at this? What, what are your thoughts? 601-885-3776. You know, I, my, my first thought is all ten should be QBs. But now, Edge, Micah and Bosa, could I have them at 9 and 10? If you don't have a quarterback, it does not matter. You can't play in January for the most part. Every now and then, there are, there are exceptions. There are outliers. You know, you've got an unbelievable offensive line and defensive line, and, you know, you're in a bad division and you take advantage of it. I get it. The AFC South, the NFC South this year, we've seen it over time. The NFC East in the 2000s. All right, the Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the uh, Bone-In Ribot, Kessler Prime, and the Renaissance. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports at 930. A little bit of Ole Miss wide receiver discussion there uh, with Tom Luganbill for about the last, I don't know, four or five minutes of the segment in the 7.30 segment, which would have started about 7.48, 7.49. We got into uh, Zachary Franklin, a little bit of Jordan Watkins, uh, Aiden Williams, um, and we also taught tight ends at Ole Miss and how that's going to look this year. Lane Kiffin's still frustrated with Michael Trigg. Um, Jason, what's the guy's name from Memphis? Prescribe? Caden Prescorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jason is looking for a big year from uh, Caden Prescorn at tight end. He was a uh, first-team AAC tight end for the Memphis Tigers, Tiger High, out of Memphis. And um, so we'll see. Is he going to be the guy? It, it looks like Lane wants to line up two tight ends and really put pressure on uh, SEC defenses, especially in the red zone, if they can get Michael Trigg where they want him. And then what are realistic expectations? Of course, I guess we could say this for a lot, but what are realistic expectations for Aiden Williams as a true freshman? Luganville told us earlier, he was like, you know, 
he he not as refined in advance. Great athlete. Thinks he's going to be really good, but like, can he make a difference in September? I mean, I don't know. Is I, that, mean, I, I feel like it really depends on the first few games whether they they trust him or not. Would you agree? Well, now there may be something to that. You know, you you're right. You do get three games where you're going to win by a total of like 120 to 40. <laughs> Against Mercer, Tulane, and Georgia Tech. So that's a good, you know, how many reps can he get that really matter? And can he uh, start to get up to speed with the game speed? Although it won't be anything close. I mean, Mercer, Tulane, and Georgia Tech, and then you go into what? Bama and LSU. So those game speeds are different. Um, I mean, he may catch six passes for 90 yards against uh, – I mean, I could get open against those three teams, right? <laughs> Mercer, Tulane, and Georgia Tech. Um, then you get Bama, LSU, Arkansas, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're going – you know, Zachary Franklin, Jordan Watkins – Obviously, Quinshawn's going to be a big factor running and catching the ball. Um, and, and the defenses will key on him. So he could, because of that, some other guys could do some, you know, fun things. I don't want to say he's a decoy, but, but you know, wherever he is, that's going to be the focus. But Ole Miss does not have, and again, throw out A.J. Brown. Because that's like Mississippi State's defensive line you think is going to be more talented than it's been in the last four years. But they don't have a Jeffrey Simmons because, again, Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown are unicorns. Now, Jaden Crumity, Travion Williams, maybe somebody else could emerge. I mean, Crumity's big-time player. Uh, he's not Jeffrey Simmons, and that's fine, but he can play. He can play on Sundays. Travion Williams, you need him to have a breakthrough year. Back to Ole Miss. Zachary Franklin is, is, I guess, the guy that has to emerge as the as the number one, or, along with Prescorn. Or Trey Harris, possibly as well. From Louisiana Tech? Yes. Okay. All right, so this is going to have to be by committee. I mean, we don't have anybody that scares an Alabama or LSU defensive coordinator. Um, now, you got a very talented quarterback, whoever you pick, and running back, and maybe the collection of wide receivers plus pre-scoring, and if Trigg figures it out here over the next, I don't know, Jace, three weeks, then we got something. We'll We'll see. And maybe Aiden Williams comes along by, like, October – 15th that's still maybe too much to ask but six seven weeks into the into the season i do here's what i do want to keep an eye on who will be who will have the biggest impact freshman wise i mean i'm leaning Sunterine perkins for Ole miss and isaac smith for mississippi state but could be somebody else i don't know we'll see uh both were top five i mean Sunterine was number one isaac smith was number what four or something 
somewhere in there, in the state. Both part of the ESPN 300, really good players. And uh, State never had a chance against Sunderine Perkins, but Ole Miss fought like, and A&M and others fought like crazy on Isaac Smith out of Fulton, I think. I think I have that right. Feels yes. like a long time ago when we were talking about that class last December. Yeah, he's uh, he's out of Fulton. Uh, he went to Itawamba. Itawamba? Yeah, went to Itawamba. Itawamba something something. It's like three letters. Agriculture. A-G-H. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, I feel like we did hardcore sports there. I feel really good about it. And um, and Jason does too. Jason, do we have the uh, Greg Sankey discussion on on West Coast time zone and and whether or not the SEC needs uh, teams in the four time zones? Do we have the Sankey audio? We do. Let's drop it. Revenue, but we have this contiguous group that has a national platform. We don't need to be in four time zones to generate interest on the West Coast or really across the globe. And and so that's been a hallmark. Um, who knows what will happen? And that's where I go back to one of my original statements that we're always going to be attentive to what's happening around us. Uh, and perhaps there'll be some opportunity, but it needs to be a one of philosophical alignment. And it's not something where we're actively out recruiting institutions right now. Okay. So I do believe that I don't think that they're actively recruiting institutions right now. However, they have their finger on the pulse, and this is an SEC and ESPN versus Fox and the Big Ten. We all get that, right? But it's really Fox versus the ESPN or Fox versus Disney, however you want to look at it. But we'll just say ESPN since we're talking sports, man. Um Fox felt the need to go gobble up teams out there. The SEC did not. And there's nothing left out west, and I don't think it's going to hurt them. They're bringing in Texas. That's a monster. Um, People out on the west coast want to watch big brands like Texas, Bama, Georgia, Florida, among others. Um, Our ratings are amazing. Our streaming continues to go up, and it will. And not just in football, but in other sports. But football drives the train. So we'll see. I think the next big battle, y'all have heard me say it, is North Carolina. And I don't know if that's maybe around three years or 36 months. But uh, I'm thinking it's somewhere around there. And the SEC and Big Ten. And I actually think the SEC has the advantage now. Because the SEC can go to North Carolina and say, hey, do you want do you want to send your student athletes out to L.A. and Eugene, Oregon and Seattle, Washington and fly them all over the place all the time? Or would you rather fly them to Auburn, Tuscaloosa, Oxford, Starkville and Baton Rouge and Athens? Okay. Problem solved. I think now the SEC will be in the catbird seat for the University of North Carolina and whoever else they take. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Core Cryotherapy and Wellness. They've got the IV therapies, which are great for your immune system, and the cryotherapy is amazing. All at Core Cryotherapy and Wellness in the township across from Sombra. That's Core Cryotherapy and Wellness. 
Bar 2. He's into everything. Coaching analytics, sports betting, all kinds of cool things. Numbers. Numbers, metrics, all kinds of fun stuff. Dave Bar 2 on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line, which means this whole segment, the next 24 minutes, is brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge, an award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. And the uh, sportsbook is awesome. Full bar, serves food, great place to hang out before football season, but definitely during football season. Bar two, good morning. What's up, dude? Good morning, dude. We would have smoked the Golden Moon Casino yesterday. I saw your post. How, how many WNBA and MLB games did you win? <laughs> um, it's, it's actually bets because um, I bet I bet seven times per WNBA game. There's seven different plays on every game that I play. So yesterday uh, I went 25-13-1 in the WNBA and Major League combined. So it's been, it's been like that for like four or five days now, just absolute heater on these things. And, you know, it, it, it's ironically, it all traces back to what you guys talk about all the time, football. My WNBA model is a football model. It, it, and I know that sounds strange, but if there's a scoreboard, if there's offense and defense, it's all the same thing, man. It's all the same thing. Offense and defensive scoring efficiency is king. College football, NFL, NFL, uh, Major League Hockey, Major League Baseball, NBA, you name it. It's all scoring efficiency. And, well, now that I can legally bet anything I want in the state of Oregon, I can do that all year round. Uh, oh, okay, we can't do that here yet. So, I don't. I mean, we've got the sports books, which is awesome, but uh, can't mobile betting is is not in play yet. It uh, it got held up in the legislature, but it'll be back on the table next spring. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure if it'll go. So we'll see. Not privy to that. Hey, just whatever it is. Anybody listening? Okay, make sure that your representatives know that you want multiple options. See here in Oregon. All we have is one mobile option, and I get squeezed on the juice. It's a monopolistic behavior because there's only one option for Oregon residents. So, state of Mississippi, you want mobile betting, make sure that they uh, vote to open it up to multiple operators, not just one. Uh, the juice will get you. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Hey, uh, I want to. Yep. I, I know the, the Pac-12 imploded, but I want to start with Bama and kind of where the SEC is today mm-hmm. and what you and I talked about yesterday. And so paint a picture for our listeners, uh, 2011 Bama and Georgia, um, right. when Nick was rolling and Rick couldn't qu- get over the hump. And then today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, first of all, let, let's introduce to, to everybody listening, uh, what the main job that I have or what we do in college football. And that is college football staffing analytics. We have the biggest database in college football. We are the future of college football staffing. Um, and so in our system, we have every coach at every position in the FBS and FCS since 2009. We have 15,182 guys graded in our, in our database. Um, but what, one of the things that it allows us to do is we can go back and we can look at 2011 Alabama staff and grade that entire staff as it was compared to Georgia as it was 
compared to Georgia and Alabama today. And uh, we just started doing this. And it was, it was fascinating because I asked my data partner, I'm like, okay, I mean, where's Alabama gone, right? Because we all know that the, the recruiting gap from where Alabama was in 2011 to today, I think we'd agree the recruiting gap uh, between them and Georgia has shrunk to next to what? Nothing? It's a push. Zero? It's a push, right? And, and so, and, and as I've talked about on your show, about 70% of SEC football is recruiting. Okay, doesn't matter where the game's played. You're a better recruiter over the last four years, high school recruiter over the last four years. Uh, 70% of the games are, are won by those guys. So what about the other 30%? Well, that, that's mostly coaching, a little bit of home field maybe, uh, and some luck. And so now we can look back and go, okay, what, what, were the, what were the coaching grades? And I had my partner, Adam, I had him pull 2011 uh, Alabama just for, uh, you know, just to take a look at it. Um, that might be the best staff graded since 2009, period. Okay. At that time, um, in 2009, in our system, there were 31 uh, five-star coaches in all of college football. 31. All of FBS football. Alabama averaged a five-star coach on that staff. Think about who they had. I mean, they had Saban, obviously. They had the best defensive coordinator the last 15 years with Kirby Smart. They had a really good defensive coordinator in Jeremy Pruitt as their safeties coach. McIlwain, four-and-a-half-star offensive coordinator. Alabama's staff was loaded. In our system, their, their average guy was graded at 92.7. That's their average guy. Um, they basically had a their average staff. guy was good. Their average guy was at 92.7. Now, where are they today? That's the question, right? What's the gap? And Georgia with Mark Richt was at a 67.4. That's a three and a half star average. It is a massive gap in coaching talent. I mean, absolutely massive gap. Uh, you're talking about the number one staff versus the number one, number 41 staff in the country. At the time, 2011. Fast forward to today, today. Guess who has a better graded staff? Georgia. Georgia's at 77.8. Alabama's at 75.6. So not only has the recruiting gap been closed, there was even a, the, the, there was a bigger coaching gap between Alabama and Georgia. You know, we, we everybody talks about the recruiting gap at the time. There was a bigger coaching gap. That gap has been completely bridged. And Georgia right now, it, it, and I know it's it's analytics, it's numbers, and there's probably a better way to do it, but I challenge anybody to figure it out over the next decade. Um, Georgia has closed the coaching gap as well. So I, th- I think when we're trying to figure out the puzzle of what's happened between Alabama and Georgia and Alabama and the rest of the SEC, one of the things that everybody overlooks is coaching, obviously, because you don't have the numbers. But... I started looking at everything else, okay? Tennessee's coaching staff today versus 2011, much better. LSU today versus 2011, better. Auburn today versus 2011, better. The, the, the Alabama was in a unique window in the SEC in that, yes, they had an ungodly amount of staff, staff talent and huge player talent, but all around them, there was weakness in a lot of areas, even when you saw good recruiting, you know, because Tennessee was still a top 15 recruiter. Georgia was a top 10 recruiter, but the staffing wasn't there. 
now all those gaps have been closed. So even if Alabama's recruiting at the same level as 2011, all the coaching staffs around them have been catching up and gaps have been closed via coaching, not just players, but via coaching as well. All right, Dave Bartu on the Out of Bounds Show brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. That is fascinating. So right now, the with Georgia-Bama, the talent's a push, and Kirby Smart has a slightly better staff, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> That's what's happened over the last 10 years is you've had the recruiting gap change, but you also have had the coaching gap breached as well. Uh, so they're on very, very equal footing right now. Okay. Who is the closest? I guess LSU's the closest to the two in the league as far as coaches, you know, grades and talent. talent. Um, This is, okay, this year they are. But if Texas was in your league, they'd be number three. Even though they can't win just because, but they, they have talented, talented play callers and special teams coordinator. Wow. Right, right now, if if you gave, um, if you if you gave Texas uh, a brilliant head coach, and, and pick any of them, I mean seriously, you you, you give them Nate Saban, you give them Heupel, you give them Smart, you give them Freeze. I mean, you go down the list. There's a lot of good head coaches. Um, Texas's big weakness is just Sarkeesian's ability to figure out how to do the head coach side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's a five-star offensive coordinator, top three in the country. Got a top five defensive coordinator in the country. Uh, might be one of the best overall staffs in the country outside of the head coach. Um, it's just he's put together a monster staff. Incredibly good. Uh, top ten recruiter. So I'm curious to see if, if Texas, uh, what they can put together this year. You know, the window was there last year. The window is there this year. Um, and, and I think that's probably the, the biggest enigma in college football today is where is Texas going to land? Because by the numbers, it's a 12 and 0 season, right? I mean, there's not a lot of teams that project out, uh, with their talent and coaching to have a, have a 12 and 0 season. Georgia's one, Texas is another, uh, Oregon, Ohio well, state. You, I think know. you'd have Texas at 11 and one because they go to Bama. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. They go to Bama. They go to Bama. I forgot they had that one in there. So they're at eleven and one. I was I was thinking about Oklahoma. But still, that's college Oklahoma. football playoff. So I see where you're going. Right. Yeah. yeah it, 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 it's there, you know. But um, I, I think the <clears throat> but that but that next gap from Georgia to Alabama down to LSU, um, LSU has the talent and they have the offensive staffing talent. I think where LSU is really weak is on the defensive side. Okay. Staffing, coaching staff, you know, in, ter- in terms of trying to compare apples to apples with all these guys is you start getting to this level and there's very little that differentiates them. Very little. It, it, all, it may just be a better quarterback uh, or it may be a better DC or a better OC or a smarter head coach or who knows what. There's very little that differentiates them. I think LSU to win at the level they want to be at, I think they have to improve on the defensive side. Okay. I, by the numbers, what I'm looking at, I don't think they're there yet. I think they're still a step behind staffing uh, in terms of comparing them to Georgia and Alabama. Hmm. All right. Dave Bartu on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. That is, that's wild, and that's why Bama, yeah, something else we talked about, Bartu, was 
okay, so the this Georgia's flipped the script, both coaching mm-hmm. and talent. Yeah. But also there's three teams that were on a roller coaster ride the last fifteen years that mm-hmm. all have good head coaches now. Tennessee, Josh Heupel, Auburn, yep. Hugh Freeze, LSU, Brian Kelly. And, and and give credit to Saban. He took advantage of a window of opportunity where you just described Georgia's flaws. Florida went through all kinds of turmoil, and the three I just referenced were good sometimes, but but a, an absolute and total roller coaster. It's just mm-hmm. not like that today for him, for, right. for Bama. Right. You, usually when you look back, you, you and I have talked about this a lot over the years, and I, and I try to make this point as much as I can uh, when I have the opportunity, but usually when a team goes on a run, there's a window, right? We look back and go, oh, man, you know, yeah, that was a great team. Um, but they also jumped through a window of opportunity because of what was falling apart around them. And I saw that in my backyard. You know, I think one of the one of the best examples in your backyard was the SEC East uh, several years ago. Um, Florida was was in turmoil. Tennessee was a mess. South Carolina was a mess. Kentucky was a mess. Uh, it was all Georgia's, right? I mean, it was Georgia's window of opportunity in the SEC East. They didn't have strong coaching staff, but they had massive talent. Right. And it was there. It was Mark Rick's opportunity to jump through that window of turmoil. And he didn't. The better coach did. Gary Pinkle jumped through it. We saw we saw a team that couldn't even recruit in the top 40 win the SEC East. Probably won't ever see that again. He won it twice. He won it twice. Why? Because of the window. Right. Tennessee wasn't strong. Florida wasn't strong. Georgia had a, had a weaker coaching staff and Kentucky wasn't strong. South Carolina wasn't strong. So a really good coach took advantage of a window of opportunity right here in my backyard, right? Chip Kelly, Mike Bellotti, Mark Helfrich, a couple national championship game runs, right? But look what happened. Washington, massive turmoil. USC, massive turmoil. UCLA, turmoil. Utah just got into the conference. You know, you look back on it now, the conference is completely different. The landscape, the offensive ability, that window disappeared. And so a lot of times you'll see really good teams pop up, really great coaches, but a lot of it they're taking advantage of a window of opportunity within their conference or division because there's turmoil. Okay. Uh, how would you describe the gap? I'm th- we didn't discuss this, but I want to go over it real hmm. quick. Yep. If you can put, how would you describe the gap between Ohio State and Michigan, both talent and coaching staffs i know harbaugh's gotten the best of them the last two years which is really impressive but i know ohio state out recruits them and i don't know much you know i don't know as far as how the staff i know harbaugh had a lot of um turnover um so how does that look bar two between yeah, but, ohio- yeah you look at the numbers okay i mean you, you look at the recruiting we know ohio state's top three in the country mm-hmm. right o- over any four-year period you know, over the last decade, they're top three, top four recruiter. Okay, so they they have they have elite talent. So you check that box; they're just better than Michigan uh, on paper from a talent standpoint. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, it's pretty even. Uh, you know, Day and Harbaugh, both top ten head coaches coming into the season. Um, you know, offensive coordinator, you would lean Day. Uh, defensive side of it, pretty much a toss up. All the support guys, it, it's pretty even. Um, you know, so I think what it really just comes down to is you look at all those numbers, you say, okay, Ohio State should win more of the football games. And over the last 10 years, they have. Sure. 
right? Now, you're talking about some recency bias. Michigan's beat them, what, twice in a row? Yeah. You know, Ohio State, what, beat them eight times in a row before that? You know? So good rule of thumb is the better recruiter is going to win 75% of the games. Okay. Ohio State's done that, right? But, but the situation uh, in which Michigan has beat Ohio State is it just may come down to somebody had a better strategy, somebody was lucky, somebody had a great player that somebody else didn't have, uh, I think it was, was it two years ago, uh, the, from a weather standpoint, outdoors in Michigan? Guess what? Ohio State, you and I have talked about this. They're built for the turf. They're built for a national championship run. They're not built to get the crap kicked out of them in the snow outside. Mm-hmm. they got to be able to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, So some of it, again, a little situational. But, but overall, if, if we take exactly who Michigan is today and exactly who Ohio State is today and, and extrapolate out the recruiting is going to stay the same, you and I are going to take Ohio State seven out of ten times going forward. Okay. All right. Bar two on the Out of Bounds show powered by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. And, and for real quick, we'll do this again, but Mississippi State and Ole Miss, um, it really hasn't mattered where the game is played. They, they've both been winning on each other's field. But because Arnett's new, um, mm-hmm. and you like Arnett and some of the things he's done, uh, but – because he's new, right now, if they play tonight, or even in November, in Starkville, and they will, uh, uh, Ole Miss has slightly better talent, and Kiffin and Golding are better play callers than Barbe because there's no, you know, he hasn't ever called it at the Power 5 level, and Matt Brock's brand new. Am I right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're you're exactly right there. Mississippi State has one of the youngest staffs uh, in all of college football. In fact, there's only 31 staffs out of 131 that average less than three years of experience at every position. You know, so when it comes down to numbers, what what do I always talk about? Sample size. We need data. Right. Right. I wouldn't even. I will, We don't even give a guy a full grade until four years. Right. Well, <laughs> if your whole staff is averaging less than three years of experience, you know, Zach, brand new head coach. Uh, brought, you know, your DC, you know, never been a DC before, mm-hmm. uh, Barbe, we've got two years into it, two excellent years prior to it, right. At central Michigan and app state, two very solid, excellent years, you know, but, but it's, it's really, uh, it's really a question mark on something like that. So, um, but recently, like you said, they've, they've, they've traded winning on each other's field. But prior to that, I remember the first time I came on your show and, uh, I said, state's going to win at home this year. And that was probably the first time you laughed at me on the air. <laughs> and then what? And then what? Right. right? And, and then it went back and forth. You know, the home team was the winner for several years. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that is because I feel that the talent gap just wasn't big enough to overcome the home field. Even though I talk about home field advantage not being that big of a deal in the SEC, it's still there. Uh, so I, I still say overall, Mississippi State and Mississippi are, are very even. Uh, and you know, I, I I think the Egg Bowl is going to be awesome this year. Yeah, well, last year it went down to the last play of the game. So, or pretty much two-point conversion um, that was knocked down. So, it was, it was super close. Okay, I don't think we really – I mean, we've got time for, for conference. I, I know you're not that emotional about it, but there's a little emotion. You're an Oregon Duck alum. You know, we, we may have more time later in the week or next week because um, I've only got about three or four minutes max that we can dive into the fact that the Pac-12 is gone and mm-hmm. these teams moved to the Big Ten and, and Big 12. Um, 
then maybe we'll we'll do some of that a little bit later. How about that? Yeah. Well, I can if, if you got three minutes, I'll I'll give you my overview. Yeah, do that. Uh, do that. Uh, yeah. Let me let me just uh, who, the winners and losers in this maybe right because okay. wh- why did why did everybody do it? It's all for money, right? Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a business move. It's for money. Uh, you know, Duck fans, Washington fans, Utah fans. You can say it was for this, that, and the other. Shut up, dude. It's business, right? I mean, I've, I've been in mergers and acquisitions uh, for 20 years, and I know that 99.9% of everything was done for money. Who wrote the biggest check? So, But here, here's the big difference in terms of what Oregon and Washington are facing. Okay, Right now, Oregon and Washington in their conference, there are five top 35 recruiters. Five in their conference. Okay. Their new conference has 11. Ooh. So, so that the, the road to 10 and two, 11 and one to try to be in the playoffs is a whole hell of a lot harder. The ducks go from the number two recruiter to the number five recruiter. Washington goes from number three to number seven. So the odds of Oregon and Washington getting into the playoffs versus where they're at today took a big hit, and that's what it's all about, right? I mean, besides the money, it's trying to get in the playoffs because the Bulls are dead. Hell, we just lost the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl's dead. Bowl system is completely dead now, too, mm-hmm. okay? Now, on the flip side, look at Utah and Arizona State. Now, you and I have talked about Arizona State trying to figure out why the hell they can't be great at something, right? Right. I mean, they are great at being in a desert, being in a beautiful campus, and having all sorts of assets all over that campus. They can't win a damn thing. Football, baseball, basketball, you name it. They never even went to a Rose Bowl. All right? But uh, Utah is going is is the number five recruiter in the Pac-12. They are now the number one recruiter in the Big 12. Utah has five top 35 recruiters in the Pac-12. They have none in the Big 12. Guess whose path to the playoff just got massively easier utah arizona state and utah yeah 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 if they don't take advantage of this shame on them i mean arizona state you want to talk about a reset you got a brand new coach uh you you got a brand new conference everything i tell arizona state fans don't even worry about the record this year try to be five and seven just pop a top 30 class and you know utah right now is posed to be an absolute monster because the big 12 is not used to playing smash mouth football and that's all Kyle Whittingham shows up to do. Drink beers and kick ass, and he is all out of beer in your stadium. Uh, the dude looks like he can bench press 400 pounds. I love it. All right. Um, so I guess the question is, should Oregon and Washington have taken the big t- Well, we'll get into it more later. Oh, yeah. It'll be some other time. But it was for money. It was Oregon made the decision, and everybody else followed. So. Right. It is what it is. That's uh, that's corporate America. Tradition and, and culture are always for sale for the for a dollar. That was good stuff. Thanks, buddy. Be good. Take, take it easy, brother. Thank you. Dave Bartu on the Out of Bounds Show, powered by the Golden Moon Casino, Sportsbook, and Lounge, an award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Lunch today brought to you by Fleetway Market. Pulled pork. Yeah, one of those pulled pork sandwiches or their blue plates. Fleetway Market and the Market Cafe in Glugstadt. Ooh, it sounds good. I'm hungry. To the beach, then I'll be back. That was a good show today. It's a good show.